So I've been looking forward to giving this talk for quite a while now, and what I'd like to offer you here is a systematic approach to building discipline for basketball, because I hope it's clear to everybody by now that nothing really works if you don't have discipline, if you can't bring yourself to do the work that you know you need to do consistently over a period of likely many, many years then it's just about impossible to make it in basketball and it's gonna be really hard to make it in any field in your life. Discipline is one of those critical ingredients that we can't do much without. And where I see a lot of players getting tripped up here is in thinking that discipline is something that you either have or you don't, right? Some people are disciplined, some people aren't. And if you don't feel disciplined right now, I will tell you after many, many years of doing this work, I've come to the belief that Anybody can develop world-class discipline when you treat it less like an inborn trait that you either have or you don't and more like a muscle that you strengthen over time or in some cases can grow weaker over time. When you take the approach of developing it like a muscle, you can get as strong as you want. And that's what I want to offer you here. Once again, a systematic approach to building that discipline muscle, so to speak, consistently over a, a long period of time so that ultimately you become world-class and doing the work that you know you need to do becomes effortless. And what I'm also gonna give you here are some really simple techniques that are actually built into your daily life as opportunities to strengthen your discipline. And if you do these things, you're gonna find yourself becoming stronger and stronger uh, in your discipline at a, a pretty quick rate, I think. Some big changes can happen fast. and. Um, Finally, towards the end of this talk, I'm going to address something that is a deeper problem actually with discipline in a lot of players becoming rigid and unhappy and uh, developing what I would call unhealthy discipline. This is a big issue as you um, progress in your basketball career and as you drive yourself to the gym over and over and over again, we want to make sure that all of that discipline is actually making your life better and not kind of building a prison of the mind, so to speak, where you are just constantly dragging yourself through this work and being hyper, hyper disciplined, but becoming rigid and unhappy as a result. We're going to make sure that the discipline that you develop actually leads to happiness and freedom in your life, which is an important thing, of course. So the place that we need to start, I think, with this discussion is in defining the difference between discipline and motivation. It's a big point of confusion for a lot of up-and-coming players, and I see a lot of players relying on this largely emotional effect that we call motivation, right? We watch... Uh, a motivational video or Kobe Bryant clip or something like that, or listen to some like heavy music, we get ourselves all pumped up. And we think that that's the secret to driving us to the gym. But like any emotional charge, eventually it wears off. And you've probably experienced this where you get all fired up to do all this work and then it fades. And maybe you built this like perfect training program for yourself. And for the first day it went well, maybe even two days or three days, but eventually that source of motivation dries up and you find yourself not really wanting to do it anymore. And so motivation is this emotion that fluctuates constantly. Okay. It comes and it goes. Discipline, on the other hand, is the ability to do what needs to be done 
regardless of your motivation towards doing it. So I've been saying for many years that motivation will always, always fluctuate. And if you're relying on it, you're sort of on this roller coaster to nowhere. Meanwhile, discipline must remain consistent. It's the ability to do what needs to be done regardless of how you feel about doing it. So with that in mind, a lot of players will, <laughs> and myself included, when I was younger, I thought it was like just as simple as, okay, let me just make myself do it, right? That's all discipline is. Let me just like make myself do what I know I need to do. Well, how has that worked out? I'll ask you in your life when you just say, okay, I'm just going to make myself do this. How has that worked over the long term? And I have a friend of mine, I'll bring this up now as sort of a story to illustrate this point. A friend of mine, I recently visited uh, his home office. He's building a business and he's been struggling with his discipline for uh, probably like 10 years now since the time we were in college and he's been trying to start these various businesses. Nothing's quite taking. And I go into his home office and the first thing I notice are these sticky notes all over his computer and desk that say things like focus or uh, do the work or these sort of like random pump up buzzwords that he thinks will magically make him disciplined simply by like telling him to be disciplined. And yet 10 years later, he's not really accomplished a whole lot. And <laughs> this was this perfect example of like, you can't just tell yourself to do something and assume that you're gonna do it if you haven't actually built up the discipline muscle. And the most interesting point of this is that this friend of mine who I'm speaking of now, back when we were in 8th, ninth, and 10th grade, we were training partners in basketball. And we used to have our parents, believe it or not, drop us off at the local university gym at like 8 or 9 in the morning when they were on their way to work. And they wouldn't pick us up until they were on their way home from work at like 5 p.m. at night. So we were there all day long, training and shooting and doing drills and playing one-on-one -on -one and pickup with like you know, maybe a short break for lunch in between. But for the most part, we were putting in work all day, every single day. And I remember one day his dad drops us off at the gym. And as he's leaving, he turns around and he goes, you know, I think you guys are the hardest workers in Canada. And that always struck me. I was like, oh, right. Maybe we are. Like, who could possibly be working as hard as we do? Because we're working all day long. <laughs> and the funniest thing is that this player was once one of potentially the hardest workers in Canada, had incredible discipline, we were going to the gym all day, every single day. And now, many years later, his discipline muscle, this is the point here, has atrophied. It's grown weak through lack of use and lack of training. So once again, my encouragement to you is to view your discipline like a muscle that grows stronger as you train it and weaker as you don't train it. And it's become a real problem for this friend of mine. He's like, man, this discipline muscle can't lift any weight. I can't make myself do this. And those post-it notes, <laughs> like, like, whether you like it or not, those things aren't going to lift the weight for you. Imagine Kobe Bryant having like post-it notes on his mirror in the bathroom that remind him to go to the gym every day. Of course not, okay? It's easy for him to do it because the discipline muscle is strong and well-developed. So when we look at this, sort of to use an analogy, if you start a, a weightlifting program of some sort, a strength and conditioning program, 
The first day when you go into the weight room, you don't put 300 pounds on the bar and assume that you can just squat that thing for a set of 10. That's probably going to lead to uh, some type of injury or like a catastrophic disaster in some cases. Of course not. You start with a weight that you can comfortably handle and then you increase that weight and volume incrementally over time. That's how we grow stronger in the gym. And my encouragement to you is to take that approach with your discipline. So the first step here, and I'm going to give you a a three-step framework for developing your discipline. The first step is to begin at a comfortable volume. What can you honestly handle? (laughs) A lot of players jump from doing very little to the like six hours a day approach. That I've seen work about zero times <laughs> ever, right? What can you honestly handle? Don't set yourself up, yourself up for failure ahead of time by giving yourself more than you can comfortably handle. Say, okay, what can I do right now? Instead of six hours a day, what if I did six hours a week? What if I did an hour a day, six days this week? Well, that maybe I can comfortably handle. Maybe it's even less than that. Maybe it's like four 45-minute workouts this week, and I'm going to start there. Next week, I'm going to go to five 45-minute workouts, and then the week after that, it's going to be five one-hour workouts, and then I layer in my strength and conditioning, and then I layer in another uh, you know, aspect of volume. Maybe I put a day of two days of scrimmaging or something like that, but we do it over time incrementally. So begin at a comfortable volume, and what I've found for myself I won't say this goes for everybody, of course, but I think it goes for a lot of like really driven basketball players. We assume that we can handle more than we actually can. And so when I first started like writing, writing my training programs, I just assumed, okay, I'm, I'm going to be able to do six hours a day, or I'm going to put in like three workouts a day, every single day. And if I'm being honest with myself, those approaches almost never worked. The approach that really does work is give yourself less than maybe you think you can handle. That's going to be the sweet spot. And then grow from there. We want to make sure that we actually do the work that we wrote down. And one uh, really useful framework that I've used for this, and one that actually is misunderstood, so it requires a bit of clarification here, is what I call the 80% easy rule. And when I say easy, I don't mean the work itself is going to be easy. I mean, it's psychologically easy to bring yourself to do that work. So let's say you're in the gym doing a set of 10, right? If for that set of 10, you put a weight on the bar that you could only do for five reps, well, that second five reps, six through 10, are going to be really, really, really painful, if not impossible. 80% easy means that you put a weight on the bar that you can do for a set of 10 that for the first eight reps are strong and smooth and that last two reps is a little bit of a grind, right? But you get it up with good form. That's the approach that we're taking when we're developing an overall volume for our training program and an initial weight that our discipline muscle is going to carry. It should be 80% easy for you to bring yourself to do that work. And about 20% of the time, there's some grind. That, of course, is going to increase over time. So the weight that you can do for that set of 10, eight smooth, strong reps, and then two grinding reps that weight's going to increase. So it 
when I say 80% easy, it doesn't mean that you use the same volume forever. It just means that you start where, where can you, uh, where's the sweet spot where you can bring yourself to do the work with about 80% effort in your mind, or rather 80% effortlessness. So rather than, as we've been saying, training six hours a day right off the bat, maybe you do 45 minutes a day, Monday through Friday, or whatever the case may be. It's going to be different for everybody. But again, follow that 80% easy rule. And I think you're going to find the sweet spot for yourself. If you are doing cold showers, which is something we recommend for all of our players, and right off the bat, you say, I'm going to do a five-minute cold shower, freezing cold, as cold as it'll go, first thing in the morning, every single morning. That's probably going to be a little bit much for most people, except for maybe the fanatics. Maybe you start off with one minute of cold water at the end of your warm shower every day. And then next week, you do two minutes of cold water. And then you decrease the time of the warm shower. And then suddenly you're doing a three-minute cold shower every morning. And it's actually comfortable because you built up to that. If you are beginning meditation practice, which, again, practice that we recommend for all of our players, and you say, okay, I, I want to get really good at meditation, so I'm going to meditate an hour a day every single day. Well, that's probably going to be a bit much initially. Maybe you start with... 10 minutes a day and then you add three minutes per week or so after a month you're doing 20 minutes another month you're doing 30 minutes and it builds up from there that's going to be a sustainable approach that's probably about 80 percent easy for you and uh, we could go on and on with examples like this if you're reading maybe not starting with an hour a day but maybe you just start reading every day with breakfast that's a really easy way to start make it 80 percent easy for yourself and the final disclaimer I'll give here is that you don't want to go too easy <laughs> on yourself. It shouldn't be 100% easy. You don't want to start at like five minutes of training per day. Of course, make sure it's sufficient. There is a minimum volume of training that's required. Hopefully, you know what that is by now. Uh, but the point is, make sure you're setting a comfortable volume. That's step one. Step two is that you do the work <laughs> and you do that work no matter what. So if you're not feeling particularly motivated that day, you use that as an opportunity to exercise the discipline muscle and say, okay, I'm not feeling motivated. I'm going to go anyway. And once again, discipline, if we view it as a muscle, it grows stronger every time we said or we do what we said we're going to do. And I've heard this quote i believe it was from james clear if i'm not mistaken he uh, wrote atomic habits i could be wrong on this but this this analogy uh really perfectly encapsulates this so the way that he put it is that every time you do something that you said you were going to do it's like you're voting for the person that you're becoming every time you don't do that thing you're voting for the person that you don't want to become so whenever you're faced with this choice, okay, do I do the work or do I not do the work? That, on a very real way, is when you create the person that you're becoming in the future. So vote for the person you want to become. This is when we strengthen the discipline muscle or we let it slide and we get a bit weaker. So make sure that, again, in step two, once we've set a comfortable volume, you're actually doing that work and taking every opportunity that you can to do it in the face of perhaps a lack of motivation. And one thing I'll say here is that this doesn't mean you have to be 100% perfect all the time. 
allow yourself to be adaptive and find a way to be consistent over time. So if this means that maybe life gets in the way, you have a pile of homework and you can't get to your workout one day, double up the next day. If you set like a volume of six hours of training per week and you're a little bit behind, maybe you do a longer workout on two of the days or something like that. Allow yourself to be adaptive and just get the total work in however you can. Of course, we want to stick to the schedule as best we can, but no schedule is going to be adhered to 100% of the time. That's just reality. So if you take that approach and you don't say, well, I missed a workout today, so my whole week is shot. I'm going to start up again next week. No. Find a way to just get the total volume in. That is what is going to, uh, once again, develop that discipline muscle over time. And finally, and probably obviously by now, step three is just consistent incremental progress over time. So once again, we said earlier that that 80% easy capacity grows. As it grows and the weight on the bar, so to speak, for your discipline muscle um, can grow heavier, just add a little bit at a time. Look for a way, and, and my general advice for most players is to look to increase the overall volume in some way every week. Whether that is uh, more volume in the weight room, depends on your needs. So I can't make like blanket recommendations for everybody, but if that applies to your weight room work or your skill work, or maybe your meditation, deep game work, look for a way to build up the overall volume each week. And my strong recommendation here, and a point that I've missed on in the past growing up and a lot of players are missing on is to look at your schedule holistically. Don't try to increase the volume of every single part at once. So if we have our skill work, we have maybe our studying and homework, we have our strength and conditioning, we have our deep game work. We don't want to be increasing all of these all the time because the total volume and weight on our discipline muscle is uh, eventually going to get overloaded. So look at it total volume holistically in your entire life and then incrementally build it up and say if you need some more focus on your skill work okay let's increase the volume this week on the skill work and maybe next week we increase the volume on the deep game work but in general or maybe it's a lower volume increase on all aspects i hope you're following this <laughs> i don't want to get like too too technical here but point being we look at our schedule as a uh, one holistic, like um, one total volume rather than components, all right? So point is consistent incremental progress over time is the name of the game. And we don't want to load up that bar so heavy that we can't lift it or we get hurt, but we also don't want to make, keep it so light that we're not actually making progress push a little bit more weight on that bar, even if it's just another rep, another two reps, another 2.5 pounds, five pounds, whatever the case may be. It's those incremental gains that add up to something really great over time. And I will say as well that when I say it builds up over time, it doesn't actually have to take that long. I've seen players make really radical transformations in their discipline in a matter of like uh, what often seems like weeks, frankly. Like I, I see a player who's not really doing anything and then they start on this systematic approach and it's like, you know, three, four weeks later, 
they're totally in this rhythm of training and getting everything done and they're feeling so good about themselves. I'm like, man, that happened fast. And if you take this approach, imagine like we, we just said three to four weeks for, for certain players, even if it's three to four months, like imagine how that builds up over time. And imagine after three to four years, what you could be doing and the volume of work and the effortlessness that it takes to do that volume of work like you'll become a machine. And so it doesn't take that long. And I'll also say that there are some ways to accelerate your progress as well. So what I'd like to give you now is a few pretty simple techniques that you'll find are kind of baked into your everyday life. There are opportunities within your daily life that you can take to get a couple more reps on that discipline muscle without overloading it, but just adding a little bit more to the volume. And these are techniques that once again are accelerators. They'll make your progress faster. So the very first one, and this is like stupid simple <laughs> when you hear it, but one tiny little tweak that you can make to your day is what I call passing the first test. What most people do in today's society is when they wake up in the morning, they roll over and they check their phone first thing. All of this social media, uh, in a lot of cases like toxic social media, is poured into our mind very first thing in the morning. It's like the equivalent of waking up and eating candy, right, for our mind. And so one way that you can combat this and use it as an opportunity to kind of flex that discipline muscle a little more is again what we call passing the first test when you feel that urge to roll over and turn your phone on i hope you're like putting your phone on airplane mode or turning it off overnight that's a really good idea when you feel that urge catch yourself stop don't do it. <laughs> That's the first rep that we put in on that discipline muscle. It's sort of like a warm-up rep, so to speak, for the rest of the day. When you warm up that discipline muscle, the rest of the day becomes a lot smoother and you're not wasting time in the morning. You're not like pouring a bunch of nonsense into your brain first thing. We're actually getting up and doing the work first thing. So that's the first one, pass the first test. Along the same lines, there's opportunities throughout every day where we impulsively reach for something that might not be so good for us. Just like when we were rolling over out of bed and like trying to check our phone first thing, impulsively and habitually, maybe even unconsciously, throughout the day, there are times when we reach for our phone to like scroll through social media a little bit more or we reach for that piece of junk food that we know isn't quite ideal for us or we just habitually want to like watch that next episode in the TV show that we're binging rather than going to the gym. When these opportunities arise, and they are opportunities, the technique that I like to use here I call overriding impulse. So impulse arises, oh, I want to pick up my phone, override it, by stopping yourself and not picking up your phone. That little moment when your hand is reaching for the phone, maybe you've even picked it up and you're like beginning to, that, that finger is about to start scrolling and you catch yourself and you're like, oh wait, no, I'm not gonna do it. You put it down. That is an incredibly strong uh, stimulus for that discipline muscle once again. So find these opportunities throughout the day to override impulse and keep the like load on the muscle, so to speak, keep yourself growing stronger. Because as we said, discipline can also grow weaker. And if you exercise impulse every single time, like 
every time that impulse arises, you just like give in and go slack. That's going to be making your discipline muscle weaker. And of course, I don't mean that you never pick up your phone or you never allow yourself that little piece of chocolate or whatever the case may be. Like, no, of course, we're still going to do those things. But one thing that you can do when that impulse arises and you know that, okay, I am going to pick up my phone. Maybe there's a text message from somebody that you need to respond to, or you, you are going to check social media for whatever reason. When you're going to do that, take back control over the impulsive habitual nature of your mind by delaying it. So you're not going to override it entirely, but you're just going to stop yourself. Wait a sec. Take back conscious control. So it's not impulsive and habitual. It's actually within your control. Pause for a moment and then go ahead and do it. That is another way that you can squeeze in an extra rep. And one uh, more technique here, which I call cutting off the negotiation. This often comes up when we have these impulsive things that we, uh, well, in reverse actually. Whereas before we're like overriding the impulse to do something, there can be an impulse to not do the thing that we know we need to do. So a uh, classic example is the cold shower in the morning. When we wake up, there is this impulse, so to speak, or a train of thought that goes, well, I, I don't want to get in that, that like the, the bed is so cozy right now. It's, it's cold outside. I don't want to get like a cold shower. That sounds like torture. Well, whenever those thoughts arise, the reverse of overriding impulse is cutting off the negotiation with those thoughts. So rather than talking yourself into something, just stop talking to yourself completely. In this way, we cut off the negotiation. We say like, this is not a discussion. <laughs> I say we do this, so we do it. You get up and you do that thing. Whether that is a cold shower or maybe you find yourself talking yourself out of doing the workout for the day, you cut off the negotiation. Don't muck around in your thoughts and try to talk yourself into it or talk yourself out of it. Your, I heard somebody say once that your, your impulsive habitual mind is like the, uh, the, craftiest lawyer you've ever met. He can always talk you over to his side. And so the way that you win that negotiation is by not negotiating at all. Once again, I say we do it, so we do it. Not a discussion. Turn off or cut off the negotiation, get in the cold shower, rather than needing to talk yourself into it. Cut off the negotiation, go to the gym. Cut off the negotiation, sit down and do the meditation. Whatever it is that you're doing, the more that you can kind of short circuit the discussion about it in your mind, the stronger that you're going to get. And frankly, the more consistency and success you're going to find with doing it. And uh, one more technique, we've got quite a few accelerators here. Find pleasure in effort. This is a big one. Okay, it's a really, really big one. And when you can do this, we sort of rewire our relationship with discipline. So going back to that analogy of the set of 10, those two final grinding reps, remember the first eight reps were like smooth and strong. Those last two reps were a little bit more uh, of a struggle. Well, 
when you've done those sets in the weight room, there are probably times where you find this sort of pleasure in the exertion and the grind of those last two reps. Maybe you're doing conditioning on the basketball court. You're like running suicides or 17s or something. And there are probably or have been moments when usually you wouldn't really enjoy this type of conditioning, but sort of hits another gear and you find yourself like digging even deeper and enjoying the pain of it. I don't mean injury pain, but the the pain of the exertion. If you can find that thread of pleasure in <clears throat> in exerting effort, this is sort of like making discipline feel good. <laughs> Whenever, uh, let's go back to the cold shower, which doesn't feel very good for anybody in the beginning, if you can find that pleasure in the fact that you're making yourself do the thing, yes, it's painful, yes, it, it requires some effort, but man, I'm doing it. I'm digging deeper and find the pleasure in that effort. You're reorienting yourself with hard work. You're making hard work, like yes, it's, it's hard in a sense, but it's an enjoyable heart. It hurts so good to like grind that weight up. Find that thread of pleasure. And every time to the best of your ability that you're faced with this like struggle and grind, again, 80% easy, but 20% is gonna be a grind. If you can find the pleasure in that grind, well, that grind is going to become less of like a... I see a lot of players sort of psychologically limping through that grind. Oh, okay, now it's the grind, so I've got to drag myself. No, take pleasure in it. And once again, you're kind of making discipline feel good in this way. You're going to look forward to the grind, and it's going to be increasingly easy to get yourself to grind when you need to grind. <laughs> I hope that's clear. And finally last accelerator that I'll give you here is what I call focusing positive. So this is really simple. Celebrate your wins. When you do something, and I don't mean like have a party or uh, have a cheat meal or something like that, just celebrate internally. Allow yourself to feel good about the fact that you did the work when you said you were going to do it. You will manifest more of what you focus on is the sort of esoteric way of saying this. But when you focus on the positive, the good feeling that comes from having done the work that you said you were going to do, you're going to reinforce the pattern of doing that work. So what a lot of players and people do is use negative reinforcement to sort of scold yourself or guilt yourself over not doing the thing that you said you were going to do, that just reinforces the negative pattern. You're feeding the negativity. Instead of that, celebrate the things that you do right. In this way, you're reinforcing what you want. And a, a really good way of doing this, this probably requires, frankly, focus positive is a, um, a deeper topic. We could do a whole talk on this. Uh, let me know if you're interested in that. But I, I I don't want to get too deep here. The simplest way to go about doing this is get in the habit of writing down your wins each day. Just have a, a, a little log. Maybe it's in the notes app on your phone. Doesn't have to take long. At the end of the day, just review for yourself. What did I do right? Okay, I got my like cold shower in first thing this morning and then I meditated for 20 minutes and then I got my skill workout in and then I, I got my strength and conditioning work in, did my homework. These things tend to be forgotten. A lot of us are so patterned into that 
like uh, habit of negative reinforcement and focusing on all the things that we didn't get done, that we miss all the stuff that we actually did. Take a moment at the end of the day to write down the wins. Only takes three minutes or so. You can do it while you're brushing your teeth or something like that. And just take stock of like, oh yeah, I did a lot today. I got a lot done. That was a good day. By sort of taking a moment to celebrate that internally, we're reinforcing the more of what we want. And you're going to find that your mind naturally starts to gravitate to doing the things that you're going to end up celebrating at the end of the day because it feels good to celebrate them, right? So focus positive. Rather than obsessing over everything that you didn't get done that day, focus on what you did and you'll do more of it, <laughs> right? You'll manifest more of what you focus on. I would encourage you to do each of these about once per day at least. So take, uh, as a quick recap, pass the first test. Don't roll over and check your phone. Override impulse at least once per day. I would say you can like go wild on this. You can do as many of these as you want throughout the day, five, 10 even. Find every opportunity to override every impulse you can. Cut off the negotiation, find pleasure and effort, focus positive. If you do each of these at least once per day, you can really speed up your rate of progress as you strengthen your discipline. And what this brings us to, <laughs> which is kind of funny because we just spent half an hour or so discussing uh, how to build up your discipline. What I have to do now <laughs> is give you a warning about building discipline because what often gets lost in translation here and where a lot of players get tripped up is in seeing discipline as a lifestyle rather than as a tool. Discipline is in the same way that a hammer is a tool that you use for certain jobs and like it, you have to be able to pick it up and then put it down so you can use other tools. Discipline is the same way. Imagine if you had a hammer that was glued to your hand and that's all you could use for every single job. Well, you're going to end up breaking a lot of stuff and you're not going to be so functional. And when, a, when we mistake discipline for not a tool, but a full-blown lifestyle and we're holding ourselves in this rigid pattern of we must do everything exactly right all the time or we get down and on ourselves and guilt ourselves, it becomes very rigid and very unhealthy. And we see players actually getting really uptight. And um, in some cases, this can lead to like, a low-grade depression or unhappiness or feeling like it your discipline is sort of sucked the joy out of the training itself so as an analogy you've probably had the experience and too many players have frankly i certainly did of playing for a super controlling coach who's like micromanaging everything and wants you to do everything just right. And if you do something wrong, he scolds you immediately and he's never rewarding you on the things that you do right. And, you know, we, we once had our coach, he went through a spell of this where back in high school, he wanted us like almost like a military unit. As soon as he called, we would like instantly run over to him and gather in this ordered circle and we would go through every single structured rep of our practice and of our warm-up like perfectly with this surgical grade precision this lasted like a day <laughs> 
as basketball players, we want to play free and like in warmups, be loose and, and enjoying the process. And this coach wanted us to be rigid like soldiers all the time. Well, imagine what it's like playing for that super controlling coach and ask yourself, does that coach get the best out of you? Do you perform at your best when you're under that sort of structure? And if you were to take that approach with yourself and become this hyper controlling, like discipline, military commander, <laughs> is that going to get the best out of you? And is that going to feel good for you over the long term? Probably not, right? So an alternative to this is sort of treating yourself like the perfect training partner. The perfect training partner, yes, when you're when you need to do the work and you're not feeling so motivated to do it, they're going to pick you up, like maybe drive over to your house and uh, put you in the car and say, yeah, let's go. We got work to do. Let's go. That's great, right? But when you're totally run down training too hard and you need a break, that same training partner is going to say, hey, we got to chill today. Like, let's let's play some 2K, relax fully, like recharge. You're going to come back tomorrow. We're going to it's all going to be good, but like lay off a little bit. Let yourself just relax. That's a good training partner. When they encourage you to do the thing that's right for you, not the thing that has been like like written in stone that you absolutely must do as a life or death, like uh, follow these instructions at all costs, controlling coach. No, that that's never going to yield the, the result that you want. And it's probably not going to make you all that happy in the long term. So controlling coach versus perfect training partner, be the perfect training partner to yourself. And as a final lesson here in this talk, what I want to give you is four criteria for healthy discipline. So you can look at these things as signs as to whether or not your discipline is yielding the result that you really want, which is ultimately to make you happier, to produce more freedom in your life, to make you feel better about yourself, and to be like a, a consistent, reliable tool that you can use when you need it. So as I kind of alluded to, the first criteria is that discipline will be healthy for you if it's making you happier. You should feel good at the end of a hard day. This is why we use things like focus positive rather than constantly negatively and reinforcing and guilting yourself all the time. Your discipline should make you feel good. Like, yes, I did that. I did that. And it, over you know weeks, months, years, you should be happier as a result of your discipline. If you're feeling more depressed and more like, oh man, I, I just, I can't stand to it. All the joy is sucked out of it. That's a sign that the discipline is too rigid or maybe you're disciplining yourself to do the wrong things and you need to switch paths. Second, discipline is healthy if it's creating more freedom in your life. This is like a classic, uh, I think the most popular advocate for this is Jocko Willink, <laughs> who's like discipline equals freedom. Well, that, that's totally true. If you look at um, training, right? If you're disciplined in your training, that can create for you freedom in your basketball career to like be traveling all over the world playing basketball for a living rather than the sort of prison of a nine to five job perhaps, right? It's the work that you put in that yields the freedom long-term. If you look, you know, <laughs> obvious example, your homework. If you're disciplined with doing your homework and like disciplined even in class to focus and get the work done while you're there, 
Well, it creates all of this free time for you and freedom to do what you want to do with your life outside of your homework. If you are disciplined with your responsibilities, it will give you freedom from stress. If you're disciplined with your money, it will give you financial freedom. If you're disciplined with your nutrition and the foods that you eat, it will give you freedom from illness. If you're disciplined with your stretching and foam rolling and movement work, it's uh, literally physical freedom, internal freedom that you'll feel. So your discipline should be creating more freedom for you. And you could look at this in this way. It's we're building through our discipline a mansion, not a prison. <laughs> You're building a life that you want, not putting bars around your life and rigid restrictions that you must follow at all times. So if you're not feeling actually aspects of your life that are important to you being freed up as a result of your discipline, it's probably unhealthy. <sighs> Finally, very important, okay? Discipline is healthy if it's balanced with the ability to relax. We've been referring to discipline as a muscle, right, throughout this talk, and if you contract a muscle and like pattern a bunch of tension into it, you're like lifting tons and tons of weights, contracting, 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 breaking down the muscle, but you never actually stretch it and relax it, well, you're gonna have chronic tension that's gonna ultimately lead to injury in the end for most people. So, <laughs> discipline, must be balanced with the ability to fully let go and fully relax. You should hopefully be having off days in your schedule where you can totally let go. If you're, you know, out for a move, uh, out at a movie with friends on your day off, and all you can think about is all of the work that you know you need to do the next day or should be doing, and feeling guilty for taking that time off, that's not healthy discipline. Focus on the ability to actually let go and relax during the time that you're not disciplined. Discipline is a muscle that as you contract it, you must also be able to relax it and release it. So these first three, the criteria, and there's four, by the way, there's one final one, which is most important of all. And I would say the most important point, maybe of this entire talk, but before we get to that, the first three points here, discipline's healthier, healthy if it's making you happier, it's healthy if it's creating more freedom in your life. It's healthy if it's balanced with the ability to relax fully. D the disclaimer here is that there is an on-ramp period. So if you haven't been so disciplined and you take like two or three days of uh, you know, doing your 80% easy schedule and you say to yourself, oh, I don't feel as happy right now or oh, I, I don't feel as relaxed. This isn't making me feel free. Well, give it time, <laughs> okay? You gotta build this up. And if you give up after a week or two weeks or three weeks, again, we're back on the roller coaster to nowhere. So there should be an on-ramp period of about a month where you expect that, yeah, it might feel a little bit more rigid than you're used to. It might feel like that's yeah, it's a lot of grind right now. It might feel like you're not... <clears throat> fully balanced with your ability to let go and relax because before all you were doing is relaxing <laughs> so in this case expect the on-ramp period to like the you know the first few weeks that you go to the gym you're going to be sore same goes for your discipline muscle expect that on-ramp period and in the long term you will be successful and you can use these criteria once you've actually built up the rhythm of discipline so with all of that said <laughs> most important point of the entire talk in my opinion anyway the final the fourth and final criteria for healthy discipline is that discipline is healthy 
if it's driven by love of the thing that you're disciplining yourself to do. There was a really surprising Kobe Bryant quote in an, in an interview. Uh, I think back in like 2018, 2019, Kobe's retired at this point. He's building his business, uh, his media company. And the interviewer asked Kobe, you know, back in your basketball career, if you were motivated by someone like Shaq and your competitiveness with Shaq to drive yourself to the gym, then what are you using in your business career? Where are your sources of motivation for, for your drive? And like, why, how do you bring yourself to do all this work? And Kobe was like at first kind of confused. And then he goes, I never really used Shaq as motivation. That, that's surprising, right? <laughs> I never used Shaq as motivation. That was maybe like the last 2%, but those negative sources of motivation and like beating other people, and that was just kind of the last little bit when I needed it. 98% of it was just love of the game. I didn't want to be anywhere else. And I have a direct quote from Kobe here for you that goes, if you've got to get up every single morning and remind yourself how hard you need to work, you should probably choose a different profession. That shouldn't be there. I wake up in the morning excited to get to it. That's a direct quote from Kobe. So if your discipline is driven by this thought that you should do this work, but you don't really want to do it. If your discipline is driven by the opinion of other people telling you you have to do it, or, and there's of course things that we have to do that we don't like, of course, like basic disclaimer here, but in general, if you're on a path that you don't love and you're disciplining yourself to do that thing, even though you don't love it, well, what purpose is that discipline serving in your life? Is that really making you happier, making you more free? Discipline must be driven by love to be a really useful tool for you in your life. And as one final, uh, one final story here, one of my favorites comes from BJ Penn, one of the greatest UFC fighters in history. His uh, specialty was in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So when BJ Penn first started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, he started like everybody else, raw white belt beginner, didn't have much skill. Within three years, he had become a black belt and won what's called the Mundials, which are essentially the world championships in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the time. BJ Penn went from raw white belt beginner to best of the best of the best in three years. Well, that may not mean a whole lot to people who aren't familiar with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but typically as a general rule, almost the, the standard for white belt to black belt is about 10 years for somebody that trains almost every day. So a really serious practitioner, it's gonna, the expected time frame is about 10 years minimum. BJ Penn, became not only a black belt, but best in the world after three. Point of this story, <laughs> BJ Penn is on the Joe Rogan podcast when I heard him tell this story and he said, people come up to him all the time and ask, you know, how did you do that? Was it discipline? Was it motivation? Was it drive? Was it confident? And he goes, no, 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 no. It was fun. I couldn't help but do it. <laughs> I wanted to be on the mats all day long. I, I was like a sponge that couldn't soak up enough. That's how I got so good because I found what I love to do. And he became one of the best in the world because of that love. 
And so the point is, which is so funny to say at the very end of a, you know, 45, 50 minute discipline talk, the big secret to discipline is that you shouldn't need it. (laughs) At least not all the time. You shouldn't be having to discipline yourself constantly every single day saying, oh, I got to do this work. Okay, let me like strengthen this discipline muscle. No, it should be mostly driven by love. And the discipline comes in on the days when you're not feeling motivated. And no matter how much you love something, I promise you, there still will be those days. It's not just like sunshine and rainbows and butterflies every single day. And you're like magically propelled to doing all of this work effortlessly. No, there is some grind. But if you are grinding the whole way, then it's probably a sign that you should choose a different path that you don't have to grind the whole way. It's not meant to be a grind the whole way. (laughs) Apply your discipline towards what you love. That is ultimately when it's going to be healthiest for you. So that brings us to a a final question that I have for you. Uh, These questions are really good for for me as as a reflection, for me as a teacher to understand where where you're at. The question is, what has been your biggest struggle with discipline so far? Let me know in the comments, reach out to us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know this was a long one. This is uh, (laughs) a topic that's often misunderstood. So I wanted to really cover it in a lot of detail so that you understand and have a full system for developing this in your basketball career. I think it's going to serve you so, so well. And if you need any help with this at all, let us know. So let me know the answer to that question in the comments. What has been your biggest struggle with discipline so far? And uh, we'll see if we can help you with that. All right. So with that in mind, I'm out of here. I will see you next time. Take care. Hey, it's Taylor. I hope you enjoyed today's talk. And if you did, the best thing to do right now while it's fresh in your mind is head over to deepgame.com and join us in our free masterclass where you'll learn all of the basic fundamental principles that, in my opinion, every serious basketball player should know about the part of basketball that's played with the mind. We've had players call this the best hour of basketball learning of their lives. And again, it's completely free of charge today. So head over to deepgame.com, join us, and I will see you there.